I'm Michael Laurie, and you're listening to the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Hello, Happy New Year to all, and welcome to the first 2019 episode of the Ulster Rugby Roundup. Big news in the new year. Jonathan Bradley's been sacked in favour of Michael Sadler. Hello, Michael. Happy. Hi, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> That's Ma- not true. That's <laughs> <laughs> Adam McAndrew. Happy New Year, everyone. And your regular host, Gareth Hanna, are back. Yes, of course. Jonathan's not really been nice that he's just taking some well-earned holidays and should be back next week. What do you um, mean, well-earned? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, in his absence, Ulster were, of course, beaten 21-12 in Connacht over the festive period. So we'll run the rule over that. Uh, and we look ahead to this weekend's defeat to Le- oh, sorry trip to Leinster. Um, we've got your last-minute listener questions. We only asked for those about half an hour ago. So thank you very much to all of you who have responded very quickly. And we'll also take a look at the latest club action with the Cup semi-finals coming up. First of all, then, Connacht 21, Ulster 12. Just what changed in this game, Michael? Well, as has been said already, um, Ulster went down to Galway and had the most horrendous start they could possibly have. Um, they didn't seem to be just as focused or clued in. They didn't hit the ground running in any way. And the next thing they knew, what was it? They were 14-0 down. And basically from there, um, it was always going to be a struggle. Um, too many things malfunctioned. They were poor defensively. Their set piece wasn't working right either. All the things that we kind of got used to seeing, you know, working reasonably well recently, all just went south. Or in this case, West, if you like, and there was no <laughs> way back into the game. Better than John There was no real way back into the game for them at that point. Now, in fairness to them, and a lot, a lot of, they, they, they took a lot of mileage out of this that they did, you know, drag themselves back into the game. But realistically, they were second best by some way, and to fail to also get the losing bonus point, which was, I suppose, one of the mm-hmm. bare essentials of a trip to Galway, <clears> was also very, very costly for them. As you can now see with the way the Conference B table is shaping mm-hmm. up. It's getting very, very now congested. They needed that point. It was an offer, this is true, but then Connacht also it was a bizarre end of the game, and I'm sure, Adam, you, you saw it as well, because both sides didn't actually want the final whistle to blow mm-hmm. because Connacht wanted a fourth try. They were really annoyed they hadn't got a fourth try, and Ulster were desperate to try and keep playing to get that losing bonus point, say from a penalty or a drop goal. So basically it just continued on until somebody, I think one of the Connacht players, just said, you know what? <laughs> Let's just finish this because it's not going to happen. But yeah. but did you see Bundyaki after the final yeah. whistle? It was James Mitchell, the mm. Connacht replacement scrum half, who kicked it out, and Bundyaki was apoplectic. He did not want him to kick it out. He was absolutely <laughs> raging with him, and I'm sure he probably got an earful back in the dressing room as well. Uh, but no, Ma- Michael's right. It was Ulster's <coughs> start that killed them, and it was actually quite surprising for a team that came out after the Munster game and said, oh, it's terrible, we were out-physicaled by Munster and uh, we're really disappointed with that, especially after how they had been playing against the Scarlets. To come out and be so flat and so poor in those first 20 minutes was really a surprise to me. I thought they'd at least you know, come out with a, with a bit of oomph. They had the wind at their backs in the first half. I thought they were really going to give it a go. And it was that mall, it was their first mall, I don't know if they maybe took their eye off the ball a bit or if they maybe just thought the mall's been going so well, this is going to get us out of trouble. Connacht held them up. Uh, that led to a scrum. That led to a penalty. Into the corner. A few phases later, uh, who else? Jared Butler goes over the line for the first try. And from there, you know, it's, it's sort of snowballed. So that, that was 
where the problems started. It all happened from Ulster mistakes, and then Aki goes over practically untouched from the mm-hmm. from the scrum. It, it was so disappointing because things that have been going right for Ulster went wrong, and that this is where you need to see some kind of a bounce back. You know, whenever things that have been going really well, like the scrum, like the mall, the mall came back into it later on in the game, of course, but whenever it sort of struggles at the start of the game, you need to see some kind of improvement. And I think that that's going to be a real building week for Eric O'Sullivan as a young prop, someone who's probably feeling on top of the world after those two Scarlets games. He's being talked about as a potential Ireland bolter by some people. And then, you know, he comes down against Conor Carey, a former Ulster Academy player, and he's given a lesson on how to scrum Mm. out in Galway. So... Uh, th- there's a lot of lessons to be taken from that one and I think that they've got a it's it's not good they didn't come back with a losing bonus point that that was the bare minimum that they should have come back with and they didn't manage it but you know they, they've got to take a lot of lessons from this one in the same way though that in, in recent weeks I suppose we haven't been getting too carried away with some good results I suppose the season that this is the way Ulster's squad is we have to sort of expect the odd disappointing result like this? Definitely, you're not going to get through these festive inter-pros cleanly. Um, from their point of view, though, uh, with two away ones, it was always looking you know, difficult. wasn't going to be easy, but um, they, they, they went down to Galway and they should, and they know this themselves, they should really have done an awful lot better because obviously, as we'll move on to, the, the RDS is, is the horror show one of the three that they've got. So that one was available to them to try and do something. And also, they'd actually lost to Connacht and Belfast for the first time mm-hmm. since about 1960. So to, to, to actually to lose two games in a season to Connacht hasn't been done in the professional era since the league's 50 began. Years. Well, no, that was three. Yeah. Three, they haven't lost three in the bounce since about 1956. So that was a real... And that's what's happened now, because they lost in Galway last December very heavily. Oh, right, yes. And the irony of it was, right. was, actually, it was John Cooney was saying um, afterwards that actually... They hadn't done as badly this time in Galway because I think the previous time they'd shipped over 40 points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was an interesting take on it because it was still a defeat and it was potentially a very costly defeat. And again, I was surprised because Dan McFarlane knows his onions when it comes to things connect. Mm-hmm. And he would have wanted them in particular, I'm sure, to set out, to put out some sort of statement down there. And they didn't, um, as Adam has already alluded to, and, and myself. That was um, a, a display that's going to hurt them. And I hope... It's not going to come back and bite them that they, they, they failed so abjectly down there. Now, they weren't hammered, but in a way they might as well have been because mm. to go there and get nothing mm. was was so, so damaging um, for them. And, I mean, just looking at various aspects. I remember towards the end of the game, they were trying very hard to get width and trying very hard and coming back. And I remember, was it Will Addison got through? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bundyaki just turned them over on the ground. And, yeah. and, and also the back row battle, they were so, so passive compared to Connick's back row. We were ultra-dynamic. And that was with Jordy Murphy on yeah. the field, and you're sort of thinking. And, and, and Marcel was there initially, of course, and then left with an HAA, which has left him in some doubt mm-hmm. for this Saturday. But you expected so, so much more, and you mm. got so little back that I think, in some ways, they were quite fortunate to escape in the end without having shipped more points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were that poor. I mean, that, that's the disappointment for Connacht that they didn't mm. go on and get the bonus point. There's maybe something for Ulster to hang their hat on and say, well, look, we. <laughs> They had, uh, I think it was about half an hour to get the bonus point, and they did. They didn't. I mm. mean, they didn't even look close to it at times. But um, no, just I think that this is one you sort of put behind you and you say, look, 
we, we weren't at our game tonight, guys. Let's let's move on. Well, one of the bigger things I wanted to mention was just it, it was their own errors that cost them big time. Mm-hmm. Even you know after Jordy gets over for that try towards the end, you're thinking. Okay, well, if you can at least get back up the pitch, kick a penalty, and take a point away from mm-hmm. here, it's not too bad. You drop the kick off, you know, and then mm-hmm. you're you're behind the eight ball straight from there, and they they were but never going to get they, a, po- a they point. They also, from there. according to stats, missed up to twenty eight tackles, yeah, <clears throat> which is a pretty horrendous number, yeah. mm-hmm. very high percentage of missed tackles. Uh, that isn't soft tackles necessarily. That's just missed tackles, guys who just couldn't be brought down yeah. uh-huh. um, that also if you're going to miss that number of tackles <laughs> you're not going to get too much out you're of the game. not going to get a great deal of change out of the game you have to be so much more accurate and that was disappointing as well because they actually had been defensively going quite well in fact against Munster admittedly a Munster light if you like they didn't concede any tries at all which I think is the first time this season mm-hmm. that they yes. kept the line intact and mm-hmm. that was like whoa <laughs> I don't know where did that come from but that's alright that's okay it wasn't a great game they got the win but things are beginning to click but it all seemed to unravel very badly in Galway, which would be a very, very big concern for uh, Saturday's uh, trip to the um, the RDS. Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit um, later on. Another sort of um, negative from last weekend's game was the, the injury to Tommy O'Hagan on his debut. Disappointing for him. Yeah, really disappointing. He's someone who hasn't had a look in because of injuries for a long time. So, you know, whenever you obviously get that call to play, you're obviously really excited and he comes on the second half and all credit to him he stabilised that scrum he and Ross Kane came on at the same time and they really steadied that scrum up when it had been so poor for Ulster and then I, I still haven't seen exactly what happened I think it was just in contact that he, uh, he shipped an ankle injury and you know he's, he's probably out for a long time so did really, really got sort of time for him. He's going. He's going for further tests this week, so we'll probably find out next week or later this week. But really, really gutting for him. Mm-hmm. It's very disappointing. He's waited a very long time for that senior mm-hmm. debut. He's been in position theoretically to get it, but he hasn't got it before. He's never got really the nod, and he he got it. And what did he last? Was it fifteen? Did he yeah. even as much as fifteen minutes? And that's yeah. um, just uh, that, that's a, that's a terrible blow for him, particularly if, as we suspect. He's going to be missing for some time now, which could well be, you know, for all we know, the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, if we try and pick a, a positive or two, then the Ulster got a try uh, that sort of led from a, a line-out, which, given their struggles earlier in the season, it was is a positive. Am I, am I stretching too far? Well, the, the mall's <laughs> been going well recently, and I think that's, that is definitely one of the things that Ulster can't be very proud of, because for a long time, for... For a few years now, Ulster have been seen as quite a soft touch up front, and I think they'd be one of the first ones to admit that as well. But they found a hard edge, especially in the mall. And before last week, you would have said their scrum was starting to go the same way as well. So I think that's that's something that they can really be proud of that they've they've got the mall now. That's dark arts that I don't know about, but they Aaron Dundon's done a lot of work on it, and it seems they have just found a formula that clicks for them a way of. Uh, bring him round and especially for Jordy Murphy's try uh, what impressed me was Connacht did get the, did get a good defence on but Ulster managed to shift it round the side and still take it over now it's a lot easier whenever they've got a man in the sin bin uh, one of their forwards but at the same time you know Ulster just knew what they were doing they were still in control and they still got over and that was very good and it was the mall that led to the penalty advantage for Angus Kernhan's try as well so the scrum or sorry the mall 
is going really well. And it's really important that, you know, if, if you get a penalty in the corner, you have the confidence of, we'll stick it into the corner and we back our mall to get over, as opposed to, we're going to stick it in the corner and the mall might get over, but if not, then we'll have to go out the backs. If you have that confidence in your mall, you know, you'll be walking away with tries more often than not. Yeah, but any side with Solt, who's in that position, should be able to score from that range, and that's just the bottom line here. <laughs> yeah. We're all lauding the mall, which has been good, but really you should be scoring tries from mm. those positions anyway. Mm. Um, mm. Other quality top quality sides will do the same. So if you're in a position in the 22 and you can put a ball in the corner and you can secure your own line ball, you should have the momentum. Mm-hmm. Very, very hard to defend against and you should be getting very close to scoring tries if not yeah. getting over the line anyway. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't fair. get too excited, <laughs> excited about the fact that they're able to, to score yeah. tries from <laughs> moles. Um, and as for the Angus Kernan try, that was a, <coughs> a farcical try. Wow. It was a yeah. miss kicked cross kick which I think it was Cian Kelleher made and I must have lost in the lights I don't know <laughs> it was everywhere by his shoulder nobody knew where it was and they got away with that one I mean Connacht may feel very unlucky to have conceded it they shouldn't mm-hmm. have and Ulster kind of got an opportunist to try it and nothing there but the mall yes it worked but like as I said before you, you, you've got to do, any decent sort of pack of forwards is going to be able to put you I mean, they're in that position yeah. hopefully over the line with the ball being grounded mm-hmm. so um, you know Oh. I want I want someone to do some research. Is Angus Kernan's try the first to ever be scored by someone sitting down? <laughs> Quite possible. <laughs> well, leave that to you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, our first listener question then, uh, the first weekly donal of 2019, he says, Happy New Year uh, to you all. Happy New Year to you, Donal. Uh, we'd mentioned Pack a couple of times. He asks, what was the difference between the pack that got pushed about in Galway and the one that had managed to beat Munster? No Rory Best. That's Simple as that. that. That's nothing on Rob Herring, but anytime you've asked Eric O'Sullivan, what you know, well, what's it like scrummaging with Rory Best? He just says, you know, well, that it gives you so much confidence. <laughs> he talks you through things. He lets you know exactly what's going on and you know what you're doing. So I think I think Eric's taken a lot of confidence from scrummaging alongside Rory in the past few weeks probably a little bit of tiredness as well. You know, that pack hasn't been rotated much. The second rows have been forced into a lot of work because of injuries. Um, and they probably came up against a Connacht pack that maybe wanted it just a little bit more at home. I think they were hurting a lot after that Leinster defeat. And they just came out firing and ready to go. And I think that whenever you have someone like Fyinga at open side who has a game like that, uh, it's, it's really going to help. I mean, the, the breakdown was... A bit of a mess there, and Connacht liked to make a mess of the breakdown, and that just suited him right to the ground. That's right. Ulster have been having issues with the breakdown anyway, mm-hmm. quite regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. They just don't yeah. seem to have the same presence, and they seem to be struggling for some reason there. It's not entirely clear why. Um, look, the, the Connacht pack was just that little bit more dynamic, had that little bit more edge. You couldn't necessarily have predicted that before the game. But certainly Ulster have this tendency, and we've seen it before, to sort of fall off a bit. And that's exactly what happened. And unfortunately it happened early enough in the game to make it almost... Well, they had a very, very considerable hill to climb to get back and they couldn't quite manage it. What about then Henry Spate, his swan song? Um, How would you sort of sum up his short stay with the province? Uh, Well, I mean... As, as was alluded to, he came with an injury and he picked up another injury and he was here. And in fact, that probably that medial knee injury probably was the one that cost him in Galway. Yeah. He had to go off with that as well. So he was never quite 100%. He was a, he was a really nice guy. He, you know, when he was 
on, he was on, on mm-hmm. and he, he did play some good games for Ulster, but uh, I don't think we saw the best of Henry, which was unfortunate, <laughs> and um, I don't think Ulster got the, you know, the benefit of, of his time here. Uh, there were tries and there were a number of missed opportunities as well, but I think he, he started to get better again. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember he scored that try, wasn't it, against the Cheetahs right at the end? Yeah, to, to actually, rescue the draw. To rescue the draw, and he got injured at there with yeah. his knee and I don't think after that he was ever quite right though he sort of was firing a bit in Europe I think he was beginning to get mm-hmm. better and better yeah. he wanted to go out with you know on a high um, it meant seemed to genuinely mean a lot to him mm-hmm. but he clearly was struggling in Galway and eventually I think as, as, a, as somebody said they more or less had to haul him off they just yeah. had to take yeah. him off so that was sad wasn't it and now he's going back to the Brumbies with another issue yeah which but is also uh, it was the thing in, in Connacht he was down and being looked at uh, on the pitch he kept waving him away saying no I'm fine and then would stand up and literally limp back into the defensive line and yeah. we were sitting there in the press box going if Connacht sent a runner at him he's, he's <laughs> clean through like mm. get speed won't be able to stop him like he he sort of set himself a personal target a few weeks ago whenever he said you know I haven't been playing well mm. enough and I, I want to you know contribute more and since then he had sort of upped his game mm. he, he had two great games against the Scarlets and yes. um, he did well against Munster and then as he said he wanted to go out in a high against Connaught and he didn't get it unfortunately but he I agree we, we didn't see the best of him and I think that was partially down to injuries partially down to he didn't have enough time to sort of come over and uh, get used to Northern Hemisphere rugby and that's why we probably only saw him sort of integrating towards the end there but you know I, I think he, for a stopgap he was a very good signing he came in he did what was needed <clears throat> and I, I don't think we can hold any grudges against him because as Michael said he was, he was a very nice guy and he gave us all every time he stepped on the pitch so it Compared to some other medical jokers that Ulster have got in the past, he would be one of the better ones, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another um, development in the, the back line then, um, Robert Balakun out for two weeks just after that sent off. Um, fortunate enough that it, it was just two weeks? Yeah, I, I think so. I the, It was initially supposed to be four weeks, and then he got what seems to now be the traditional... 50% off for uh, good behaviour, cooperation, previous clean record, admission of guilt. Um, so went down to two weeks. Yeah, that, like I don't think you can complain with that. It could have been a lot more given that he's very clearly tackled the guy in the air as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to, you know, <clears throat> mistiming it. He has actually tackled the guy in the mm-hmm. air, so... Uh, it, it was it was incredible he got away with what he got away with yeah. he should have been red carded unfortunately oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. straight off yeah. he, uh, he he wasn't um, so he you know he got I suppose in a way what was coming and I mean I don't think anyone could have any complaint or criticism about what happened to Robert and he's just going to have to be very careful uh, in fact during that game after that when he came back uh, the guys kept going over to him I noticed and sort of tapping him and encouraging him so it must have really <clears throat> it must have really shaken him yeah. uh, what he had done um, it was uh, Sweetenham I think wasn't it he, he, he upended so people were trying to make sure he was alright again and clearly he was quite shaken but he couldn't also have complained and no one could have criticised if he'd been uh, red carded straight away the only thing that yeah. might have saved him was it was right at the start of the game and the ref probably thought I'm not going to do this right now plus the fact that Sweetenham wasn't badly hurt mm-hmm. it would appear mm-hmm. those things may have saved um, Robert, but uh, he certainly can't go go about like that when he gets his next chance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm going to do a little bit of shifting about here because I'm going to throw this audio in before the speed thing so I'll record a wee link excuse me I was going to say because Dan McFarlane talks about speed <coughs> oh does he? yeah about what he's given to the team and oh does he? Yeah. right okay so we should throw the audio in maybe about speed rather than about the game itself yeah that'd be more interesting I think the game's dead no, I know yeah, exactly yeah. nobody cares mm-hmm. right I'll do that then <coughs> well Dan McFarland had a little bit to say about Henry Spate as he leaves Ulster to return home I think like was, uh, we had a very emotional change room downstairs saying goodbye to uh, saying goodbye to Henry I think um, he uh, um, like his not not only in his play um, like it it was really difficult for Henry because he when, it, when he came in he came in with a, an ankle injury so uh, his first game he was literally back in off an ankle injury and then he got his medial knee ligament injury and it really uh, got in the way and for, for somebody who comes in on a short short term contract sugar you've got to be you got to be mentally strong to deal with that um, and he did okay he came back from that and, and in the last five or six games he's been tremendous for us um, and it's a testament to him uh, um, and the way that he has fitted in bought into the squad Bought into Ulster life um, and, and bought into our, uh, our our culture here, and, and added to it, added to it um, that all the lads downstairs are very sad to see him go. We'll move on to Leinster then, which, as we all know, is going to be a fairly difficult weekend to say the least for Ulster. Um, what can we expect in terms of, of team news? First of all, in that back line, obviously Henry Spate was was said is gone. Uh, Robert Balakun, as we said, is out suspended. Uh, who's going to play there? Is Craig, is Craig Gilroy coming in? We don't think Craig Gilroy's coming in. Um, we're not entirely clear, obviously, what the selection plans are. We expect a certain amount of rotation, and there have been some mention in dispatches of young players being given chances and maybe fringe players who you wouldn't normally see mm-hmm. possibly being right. used. Now, that's not to say they're in the back line, but clearly the, the yeah. back three is an issue because of those points you've made. We can't be absolutely certain if Jacob Stockdale will or will not be involved in some way. Mm-hmm. All of these are very frustrating, obviously, for <laughs> listeners and supporters, but we simply don't know exactly. <laughs> and us, we simply don't know precisely what Dan McFarland's plans are. But I think it's fair to say that, that you know, the RDS is a house of pain for anyone involved with Ulster and has been throughout, you know, well, virtually the whole, since the turn of the century, there's one win, you know, and uh, that's including knockout games and regulation season. They don't do well there. Sometimes they've got close, but on the whole, they, you know, they, they get turned over and turned over quite badly. So Dan McFarland has to balance whether or not this is a game worth risking people, you know, yeah. who he needs for racing, or, and even, even if he's got time with the Ireland, uh, you know, the player management programme, he may, he may not have the time available to him to do something with Jacob, mm-hmm. or maybe something with Rory Best. Mm-hmm. So he's got to balance this, and presumably, you could almost argue, take the hit, and then focus purely on Racing. Yeah. But we don't know exactly what way he's going to mix and match here. But we assume from the choreography and what we're hearing in, in that this is going to be a team that there are going to be some unfamiliar faces potentially in, mm. in this team. And they're expected they were, to go down and, and have a crack at yeah, these boys. The worry about that, obviously, is the last time Ulster sort of were taking a hit when they went across the border. <clears throat> uh, ended in a record defeat. It did <laughs> so at Munster, which was an appalling thing. which They do not obviously want any repeat of whatsoever. There is a danger that obviously, obviously this could happen. Obviously there's a danger. Leinster are what they are, though admittedly they struggled to beat Connacht uh, mm. at home. Yeah. Then of course that ill-tempered affair at Munster, they lost. Uh, lost the plot as well as losing the game. <laughs> so Ulster will potentially look at that and go, well, you know, mm. let's 
let, let, let's give this a crack. But look, we've seen this year after year. They go down there. A number of years ago, Brian McLaughlin sent a very callow team down there around about this time of year, I think, as well. They got absolutely hammered. Um, they don't want this to happen, obviously. Mm. There is a risk that it could happen. Leinster will be gunning, gunning to put in a performance here, especially ahead of there. They've got some huge game with yeah, to lose at home. And then but they also will be rotating people. Johnny Sexton played, what, 60 minutes at Thoman yeah. Park. So the chances are he won't be there. But Leinster's B team is still a very, very formidable outfit. Yeah. Um, Ulster know that I mean, everybody knows, the dogs in the street know that they're really, really up against it here. Mm-hmm. So a, a respectable defeat, if there's such a thing, mm-hmm. yeah, that <laughs> might do. If they got a losing bonus point, I mean, it's ridiculous we're even talking about this because it is, it is sport and anybody can beat anybody at the yeah. end of the day. And the point has been made, Leinster are not unbeatable. Mm-hmm. The Pro 14 mm-hmm. European champions can be beaten. It's, mm-hmm. only, it's only sport. But I, if Ulster came out of the RDS with a losing bonus point, I think everyone Delighted. sitting around yeah. here next week would go, you know, that really wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it would, I, I it would in some ways make up for not getting one. It would. In, in oh, Connacht, because exactly. look at those two, you'd probably have said, what's the return from those two? Probably mm-hmm. a point. point. I think it's very interesting, though, if, if you compare this to last year. Last year, Ulster came into the Interpros off the back of back-to-back wins in Europe, which is what they've done this year. They then beat Munster at home, which they did this year, and they then lost to Connacht away, which they did this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now... If you Nick Timoney made this point yesterday at the press conference, it's a lot better this year because whenever you compare last year, they beat a very poor Harlequin side back to back, whereas this year they beat Scarlets mm. back to back, who are also poor. Who are also but poor. They've been losing games like you know, dropping games like well, you know, whatever. So you know, you got to be careful when you're saying the Scarlets true. are not where we think they are either. Clearly, but but the monster the monster win was a lot more convenient. It, it wasn't. A great performance against Munster, but it was a lot more convincing than last year's win over uh, Munster. And the Connacht per- result was certainly a lot better than the year before. But you've got to make sure that you don't get hammered in this game, um, similar to last year, that just sort of took all the wind out of their sails. Because last year it was the hammering in the RDS coupled with the hammering in Galway that really was just a sucker punch that even though they beat La Rochelle at home meant once they lost to Wasps, there was just a really, really negative feeling around the squad. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel it's really different this year. I feel there's Mm -hmm. a completely different sort of sense around this team. They're a lot more mature. There seems to at least be a direction for this team uh, a year on, and I think that's important. This seems a lot more mature now than what it was whenever they lost to Munster and Toman Park. I think they've done a lot Mm -hmm. of building as a squad They've uh, they've grown together. There's a lot of young guys who are now integral parts of the squad whenever they were just sort of making their breakthroughs back then. And I think that stands them in a lot better stead. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not going to get hammered. I don't think they're going to win. But I think they're going to put in a performance a lot better than what they did in Toman Park. And I think I think if, if, they, if they go out and... I like to say this a lot, but if they go out and focus more on getting a try bonus point than a losing bonus point, I think that would potentially stand them in better stead because you can always get sucked in. If you get like a couple of early penalties and you kick them over and say you're 6-0 up, you know, you think, oh my word, we're in a game here. We could maybe make a fist of it. And then Leinster just have that ability 
at the snap of a finger to go away and score three quick tries and all of a sudden you're way behind. Uh, I hope you're right, but I've seen some quality Ulster teams going down to the RDS over the years and getting badly turned over. Yeah. Uh, quality ones, ones that shouldn't, well, yeah. and they do. That's true. Um, now, is there a mental block about going there? There's nothing particularly unpleasant about going there. It's no more unpleasant than, say, Rodney Parade, um, which mm-hmm. is probably... You know, nobody particularly ever likes it's not a particularly nice place Galway Sports Ground can be an unpleasant place for an away team as well as can Thoman Park but there is an issue with the RDS clearly the issue are, is really that Leinster have quality that Ulster cannot <laughs> live with mm-hmm. um, and very few sides really can the danger is and I hope Adam's right but I have a sneaking suspicion that having seen them perform last week that even anything, anything even remotely close to that, they're mm-hmm. going to get not. They're going to get punished in a way that Connacht couldn't do. Yeah. Um, and I would fear very much for their their prospects. Now they're saying, quite rightly so, that as far as they're concerned, they just have to come out of the blocks, all guns firing, try to unsettle Leinster and get points on the board. If they don't do that, there isn't any sort of discussion so far about a plan B. But that's plan mm-hmm. A. If they don't do that then they're going to have another of those distinctly uncomfortable um, afternoons, stroke evenings, if you like, in Dublin. I think, um, certainly you were talking about last year, I think that's apples and oranges because there's so much else going on last year off the field as well that that was one of the reasons why there was, it was just, it was a, there was a toxic atmosphere around Ulster. Yeah. At this stage last year, it essentially cost Les Kiss his job. Mm-hmm. He was going to go anyway, and then when they exited the Wasps, that was it. The yeah. sugar was pulled. This is very different because Dan McFarland, I think, is here for a longer term. Mm-hmm. He's here to try and stabilise. But he's already, you remember, shipped back-to-back defeats to Connacht, mm-hmm. which no one has, has done yeah. uh, for an extremely long time, <laughs> and the record defeat at Munster. So if those had happened last year, I wonder what the clamour would have been like. I think the expectation has lowered considerably for Ulster. Absolutely. I think and I fear that they're going to suffer um, in the RDS again. Because I don't know that they have the quality there to cope with Leinster's B-stroke smattering of A players that are yeah. going to be brought in. Well, in terms of the team, mm. um, Neil McHune and Christopher Taylor both asked in, it's in similar vein. Um, there's the two key games in Europe, obviously, coming up, and then Benetton in the Pro 14 in January. So when Dan comes to look at that team, um, Neil asks, is it best just to write off this visit and completely send the kids he certainly has to have one eye on those European fixtures at this stage considering that Saturday with the best will in the world the, the best outcome is damage limitation in a realistic world yeah of course it is and funny who would have thought the Benetton game would be so big at the end of January you know that's <laughs> Benetton are doing really well at the moment they're up to third thanks to the Scarlet's uh, recent form that becomes a huge game as well but yeah if, if you're looking at these games sort of as like a four game block yeah, this this is the one you definitely write off, and you say we'll we'll target the other three. Um, uh, but do you even do you even do that in terms of you really do send like a, a really fringe side and say if this ends in in no, massive defeat, I, I then so what? It doesn't it doesn't really matter. You don't do that. You can't do that anyway. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have some experience. Mm. You can't just send that, mm. that sort of team down, and he won't do that. And they don't want to go there and lose. I mean, there's you know we're sort of imagining they're sitting around the table going, nah, stroke that off. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're not bothered about that, will we? It's, it's really not like No that. points, we're happy with that. <laughs> it's, it's more an appreciation of how they need to manage their resources and what level they have to pitch it at Leinster. They know that they're up against it, but they have no intention of going down there and scrubbing the game and mm-hmm. just forgetting about it. Um, the only thing that we can go on is just looking at how Ulster have done there for so mm-hmm. long. 
Now the, the other thing that's worth bearing in mind just is um, that there are now so many Leinster players here already <laughs> that they have a, extra motivation, mm-hmm. really extra motivation yeah. to take it out on the province who rejected them or thought mm-hmm. they weren't good enough. And this might also play into Ulster's hands if they can mm-hmm. get these guys up. We imagine mm-hmm. the likes of Greg Jones or Alan O'Connor, you Nick know, and Nick Timoney, mm-hmm. all those guys. Really, if they're ever ever going to be up for a game. And yeah, this is it. And the danger is, and I think Jared Penn also alluded to this, they don't want to go down there and start, you know, trying to rip people's heads off. That They have to be just simply focused and they have to be as good as they ever can possibly be with mm-hmm. their accuracy, uh, with every department of their game management and scoring every opportunity they get to discomfort Leinster. If they can put, like any side, same as the All Blacks, any great side, if, if they're on the back foot... And if they don't like going behind, they don't like it when it's, it's put up to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're hoping these guys will do. Mm-hmm. We just don't think they'll do it. No. On paper, it doesn't look <laughs> as if it's feasible. Yeah. But well, I would say that, you know, they. I was going to say they can do that. Of course they can do that. Yeah. But I see nobody really believes they have, and it comes back to this again, the quality and the depth to be mm-hmm. able to discomfort Leinster enough to actually mm-hmm. defeat them at the RDS, which is, you know... Terrible indictment, isn't it, of everything? If we're talking mm. about a game that hasn't been played and we're going, yeah. oh, they're going to lose. Yeah. But sooner or later, somebody's going to win. I mean, no one thought Ireland could beat the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one thought it was possible. But it did happen. <laughs> and it's how it happened twice. Yeah. Um, it That's would be very, very hopeful note. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very interesting if, after all this, they went down there. And, you know, imagine if they won. I know. Yeah. We, it, well, I know. you know. At the, at the end of the day, they should get you in the changing room. I feel inspired. You should, should be delivering the team. <laughs> but, but, but to to try and not a that was very positive. So I'm going to try and be positive mm. as well. It's going to be an exciting young team that's going to go down. Mm. At the at the end of the day, you're going to see the likes of Angus Kernan's probably going to start again. You're going to have Greg Jones, who's been getting a lot of good reviews from his teammates in the back row. You're going to get. Um, some of the young guys like Adam McBurney, it seems like, is going to start at hooker. You know, the, there are a lot of young guys who are going to be stable parts of this Ulster squad for years to come that you're going to see here. And it's going to be great to see, you know, how they fare, even just one-on-one with the guy they're up against. Mm-hmm. You could have Adam McBurney up against either James Tracy or Sean Cronin at hooker. That's a huge battle against someone who's an Irish international, against a guy who's going to be uh, a future key part of this Ulster squad whenever Rory Best retires. Mm. Talk so, about motivation, it's just an opportunity for these guys to really exactly. make a name for totally. themselves. Exactly. But there's an interesting stat, I, I, I know Jonathan likes his stats, but <laughs> oh, I thought I'd bring a stat in. <laughs> and I was just looking at the how Leinster and Ulster fared in both conceding and scoring tries over the month of December, uh-huh. which includes the European Games. And um, interestingly enough, Ulster conceded, from my, my calculation, 7 and Leinster have conceded 10. But here's the interesting part. Ulster have scored 14 tries, but Leinster have 24. Something along those lines. So there, that tells you everything you need to know at how clinical Leinster are. Mm. Oh yeah, we'll ship them, but we're going to score so many more. Mm. And that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. Well, if that's if that's the case, I suppose that brings it back to your point then about Ulster's best route to a bonus point being in terms of scoring tries rather than uh, anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, another man who will play then on Saturday is Johnny McPhillips, who was speaking to the media at this week's press conference. Uh, here's a little bit of what he had to say ahead of the trip to Leinster. It is probably the toughest place to go in in Europe, if not world club rugby at the minute. So, but then again, at the same time, it's a massive opportunity. There's, there's there's no better place to test yourself than against you know the people who are leading the way. 
So it's uh, it's it's an exciting opportunity as well. And you know, if we're not on our if we're not on our game this week, we know there's there's caliber of player that that'll, that'll punish you instantly. So we're uh, there's a big focus on being really switched on uh, from the start, the warm up, getting to the ground, really big focus on starting well and doing ourselves justice as well. On to your listener questions then. Uh, thank you once again for responding so quickly with plenty of these. So the uh, first one comes in from Peter who asks, Against Connacht, not a single manor, member of Ulster's starting pack was born in Ulster. Uh, why are we so behind the Ulster provinces, particularly this weekend's opponent Leinster, in terms of our ability to produce homegrown players? Hmm. Yeah, well, it's very... Pertinent question, and you might sort of float the idea that at some point in the not too distant future there might be no Ulsterborn players in a starting fifteen. Is only mm-hmm. I think there's only yeah, two. Yeah, we had discussed um, that a little bit last week, just in terms of how the other provinces are going to basically become Leinster yeah. rejects. We're yeah. becoming the arsenal <laughs> of rugby. <laughs> well, uh, I wouldn't want to contribute to that, but you just fire away. Yeah. But um, it 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 it's. It, it's just a, it's a trend. It's, it's a trend that clearly you would suggest that the quality of players not being produced here, and that there are there's a, simply there's simply an excess of players in the other provinces, particularly in Leinster, and when they don't make the grade in Leinster, they look around to go elsewhere, and we kind of hoover them up. Um, I don't think anyone can definitively say why that is, but it is happening, and it's becoming more of simply just you know one or two or three. Um, it, it's 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 all it's endemic now really and uh, the academy has quite a number of them as well coming through like Eric O'Sullivan mm-hmm. for instance um, you know Nick Timoney came through that route as well mm-hmm. he was in the Leinster Academy but he didn't get a contract I think and then he just looked around um, mm-hmm. and came up here um, Is there anything Ulster can do to sort of um, fix that issue? Obviously you have one of Ulster right. maybe most promising up and coming players is now in the Leinster Academy just to buck that trend. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an interesting topic for another time, maybe. Um, <laughs> I I think it's it's just trying to give as many local guys a chance as possible. And look, if the if the quality of player isn't there, then it isn't there. You know, there's there's nothing you can do about that. If if the mm-hmm. players aren't there, like you can't manufacture a good player. You know, the, they have to be coming through. And if they're not there, then you have to look somewhere else. Uh, so I, I think it is, you know, whenever you see a guy who has potential, I know there are plenty of guys who go around schools games and uh, and club games looking for players, give it, give them a chance and see what they can do, uh, at least give them a chance to impress you. But look, at, at the end of the day, as I said, if the quality isn't there, the quality isn't there. You have to go looking mm-hmm. elsewhere to find it and that's, that's just what you have to do. There's plenty of people uh, concerned about um, what's coming through at Ulster. Dylan Carleton would just like uh, an explanation as to sort of the the, the sub academy. Ask what sort of depth is there in the Ulster sub academy, and how does it even work? Uh, is there a list of, of guys and a breakdown of positions that we can see in terms of the sub academy? And really, his uh, reasoning behind all of this line of questioning is his concern at Ulster's depth at scrum half. Well, there. Well. I'll address the scrum half. I mean, you've got Cooney, Shanahan and Stuart in the first team. And you've got Graham Curtis in the academy, who uh, who is supposedly doing all right. I think you're probably still a year away from seeing him at all. But um, there's your four main scrum halves at the moment. In terms of the sub-academy, no, there's not a list of players. Because there are... I don't know the exact number, but there's a lot of players in the sub academy. It's a, it's effectively anyone who they feel has the potential to make it into the academy 
gets put into the sub academy and you know you're looked at and you're given uh specialist training and then you're uh, sent out to your club to play or sent back to your school to play so in terms in terms of that no there, there isn't like a list you can go and look up and you can't see the depth but I think you're you're not going to see guys stepping up from the the sub academy to the senior team. You know, it's it's going to be academy guys stepping up to the senior team. So I think the sub academy isn't something you should be you should be looking at in terms of depth. It's whenever they step up into the academy, that's when you're looking at okay, these guys are providing the depth. The sub academy is effectively just all the players who are waiting to get an academy mm-hmm. place. Um, so we can't we can't uh, we can't see a list of players basically. No, no, no we can't position or anything. There's not no such thing. No. Um, another question then about young players. Um, asking us to peer into our crystal ball and make a big call for 2019 is Martin McGill. He says, "Iron sex in the side," which takes out the easy answer for both of you. Um, are there any young players that we should expect to step up or make a name for themselves in 2019 who have yet to make their senior Ulster debut? Could you could you pick one out and hang your hat on? <laughs> Can we say Michael Lowry? <laughs> he has made a senior debut, you know. Oh, sorry, I forgot yeah. that was part of the question. Um, Stuart Stuart Murr, who, well, strictly speaking, he made a senior appearance in preseason, but I think with this turn- guy, once people who are not on the radar at all, well, you know, who, who, yeah. well, he has not made an also well, senior debut. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna throw one out a bit from left field and say David McCann, who was part of uh, who was with Inst and he was part of the teams. I think it was a couple of the teams that won the Schools Cup. I don't think he was there for the first one, but he was there for the latter two of their three in a row. Um, he's just joined the academy and is with the Ireland, Ireland under twenties at the moment and is apparently uh, doing very well for them. So in terms of, you know, Ulster maybe looking for someone to provide a bit of ballast in the back row um, whenever, like, so Jordy is away and if they pick up a few injuries, you can maybe see him brought up. Mm-hmm. He, he's got a few guys to sort of leap in the pecking order. I know you've got Marks Ray and Joe Dunleavy in there as well in terms of that sort of six number eight player. But um, I, I think McCann sort of seems to have something about him. And he's Ulster-born as well, which everyone will love. On to the first club roundup then of 2019. Um, it's uh, a big time of the year, obviously, in terms of Ulster rugby. Yeah, first trophy handed out of uh, 2019. As Hinch took possession of the Ulster Premiership, Division 1. They beat Malone in a winner-takes-all tie at Balmacarn Park at the weekend, winning 21-13. So they have been crowned Sony Ulster Premiership champions for 2018-19, so congratulations to them. And we swiftly move on to another cup competition. The First Trust Senior Cup have their semi-finals on Saturday. Ballamina host Balna Hinch uh, at Eaton Park, and City of Armagh welcome rainy old boys to the Palace Grounds. They're both at half-past two on Saturday. When's the final for that? Do we know? Uh, yeah, it's in front of me. Spot. Uh, it was, early, was it not earlier last season? It was, was in December. It moved it. Yeah, I was panicking the other day that I'd missed it. Yeah. Like, Jeepers, what happened, Pat? Um, 
So, Michael, what about Brighton saying you've seen a bit of club rugby this season? Because these two haven't. They, they think they're too good for club rugby these days. Huh? Oh, he has Excuse seen club rugby, but I oh, well, Until <laughs> Saturday. Until Saturday. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have seen a bit. Yes, so, my sins. T- there's obviously quite a few Ulster teams uh, doing fairly well in, in 1B. Um, if we take Ball and Hinch for a start, you obviously saw them last Saturday. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. much have they impressed you this season? Um, well, I mean, they, they, they finished that game very strongly against Malone. Um, but they didn't. They, they they played like drains really for the first half. So it's very hard to know. Balinch, uh <clears throat> Well, they they've been there there or thereabouts. They're, they're kind of they're very ambitious to get back into one A. Ulster has no presence in the AL one A, but they they struggled when they were up there, um, and, and eventually they came back down again. Um, so they're, they're they're pushing hard. They've got they've got Ross Adair back <clears throat> playing for them, who's former I think his former Ulster squad member and played for Jersey, who had a serious injury and had been out for a long time mm-hmm. and he, he started to play for them again and he makes okay. a big big difference to that level in fact you could almost argue that uh, himself and Aaron Kearns were the two key players that got Al Hinch mm-hmm. Stevenson Shield okay. uh, not the only ones but just they, they have something yeah. extra so they have that going forward and that is obviously very um, it's very very useful for them um, City of Armagh are going really well um, too um, they, they, they've they've <coughs> You know, I think actually I haven't got the table in front of me. I think they're probably the highest place Ulster club at the moment mm-hmm. um, after the last round. <coughs> and um, Malone, who were leaders, have started to slip just a little bit there, and they were extremely frustrated and annoyed at their performance uh, for that uh, Ulster Premiership shootout mm-hmm. um, because they um, they wanted to go back in. They don't have a game now. I think for a few weeks mm-hmm. they wanted to go back in the All Ireland League off something positive, and it, it, it didn't it didn't actually happen. Uh, and then meanwhile at the other end of the table as ever there's always an Ulster club at the other end of the table isn't <laughs> you've got Balamina who are now in a, in a dogfight to try and get out of mm. they were 10th they managed to, to get into 9th now after having a few wins I think having Ulster players released to them has been mm. a tremendous boost uh, nobody wants an Ulster club to drop out of 1B um, they want to try and keep them all there so they're mm. fighting that rearguard action to try and it's save crazy themselves crazy that there's 10 points between 1st and 10th in, in 1B like, yeah, it's a, yeah it's very it's it, bonkers it, it division is, this season yeah, it is bonkers you sometimes get that um, but uh, unfortunately yes somebody has to be down the other end yeah. and they've lost a lot of games um, they're gradually gradually coming back I think they've got 4 now but haven't lost 5 but they're, they're, all eyes are really on them to see if they can save themselves and to mm. see if an Ulster club could potentially finish top and get automatically into 1A. Well, you think they're going to have the wherewithal to do it? It's very, very hard to say at this stage. St Mary's are leading, but St Mary's were losing games as well. It is very bizarre. It's a bizarre um, St league. Mary's have really roared back yeah. really well after mm. a poor start to the season. Yeah. So I think a lot, a lot of people expected them to come down and just dominate the division and go straight back up. Yeah. And for the start they had was really shocking, but I, th- I think that's that's a good thing because it proves they're beatable and it proves to the Ulster teams that this is a wide open division. Anyone can win it. You just mm-hmm. one of the problems is there's a lot of parity in that division. You can see a lot of teams taking points off other teams. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think that works both works for and against City of Armagh is the fact that they they don't have any Ulster players. Um, being released them because they can get that consistency in team selection, which mm. I think a lot of teams that, would love to have. That works for you because yeah. your selection is you know you don't know sometimes until Thursday night what Ulster player, and even later yeah. sometimes after a game, depending on bench time mm. or whatever, you'll get assigned a player, yeah. and you haven't really 
had the opportunity, yeah. uh-huh. the, the team has the opportunity to, you know, mm. uh, bet in with that player, and that player is essentially parachuted in. Yeah. Seems to work for Armagh. Yeah. Of course, Banbridge is another club we actually hadn't mentioned, and they mm. have sort of been going down a bit, but again, because yeah. it's so tight, they could come yeah. straight back again. Yeah, two or three um, wins. Oh, yeah. Gets yeah. Up there. Oh, absolutely. But certainly... Um, <laughs> Do you think not having an Ulster player sort of um, the benefits outweigh the, the negatives then? Well, City of Armagh would make a very strong argument mm-hmm. that, that that works. Interesting um, debate. Well, because really they, they, they simply didn't want to go down this route. Whereas when you speak mm-hmm. to other clubs, who, who have you got released? Well, you know, we may have A, B and C. C is mm-hmm. dependent on game time on Friday night. A and B we won't know necessarily until Thursday. But, oh, maybe, or if there's another player, maybe there are four players. Oh, well, we've got one of them, definitely. But yeah. the other ones there's always a doubt about. Mm-hmm. And it does make it very difficult. Yeah. Um, because they don't really get to train very much with the club. And yeah. on occasion, yeah. some of these players have come back from an away game and rushed down <laughs> to the clubs. Yeah. Not, not, not away, because it's too far, but even uh, you know home clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and basically got there and more or less thrown on the kit and then they're, they're right on the <laughs> car. I remember meeting Matty Ray in the airport after Ulster played Glasgow on a Friday night and I met him in the airport on Saturday morning and I said, you know, what are you doing here? I'm way back to play for Balamino this afternoon. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. There you go. Totally, yeah. Bonkers. But, I mean, um, as Adam's already alluded to, we've got Cup this weekend, those two mm-hmm. semi-finals. And obviously City of Armagh will be very keen to... Uh, get into another final they won it last year for the yeah. first time in their history um, and they actually defeated Ballymena and they host Rainey mm-hmm. Rainey old boys and they, Armagh would probably be favourites I would imagine yeah. to, to mm-hmm. win that game whereas Ballymena hosting Hinch depending on what sort of teams they have and whether mm-hmm. Ballymena Hinch shipped uh, any injuries last week mm-hmm. I don't know that they did mm-hmm. that could be a very interesting uh, game because Ballymena uh, always have had a pretty good cup reputation. Mm-hmm. They seem to be one of these teams that do quite well in cups, but not necessarily the consistency over the over the course of the league. So that mm-hmm. could be a very interesting game. You yeah, wouldn't necessarily definitely. know. Both are very keen to get silverware. That's mm-hmm. the other thing that's pointing out. You know, some teams may go, well, we can't yeah. get, well, you know, we might get a go with a cup, it might not, whatever. We're thinking about the AIL mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. But certainly both Ballon and Hinch and Balmain are very, very keen yeah. getting their hands on the, on the senior cup. Do you just think Balmain are probably going to be a little mm-hmm. more... Uh, affected by Ulster call-ups this week than Hinch. Yeah, but I don't uh, think they, they can play in it anyway. Should they only in the academy? That's right. Can't. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Uh, right. can't can't cut, cut that out. <laughs> pros can't play in the, in yeah, the cup. That's or right. The, yeah. Sorry. Sony Premiership. Oh, they they yeah, will yeah. give you academy oh, yeah, players, so it's not really going to be affected by that. Yeah. But they may indeed get some academy boys thrown mm. their way, but we just don't know. The yeah. academy boys think are okay to play in the cup. I think the cups okay with the academy. Do you know yeah. what? I'm not even very sure because I haven't seen <laughs> the, the cup cups. The cups the same as the league. Sorry. Sorry. The the Premiership. You can't play so them. So you can't play like the... Graham yeah. Curtis was playing there at the yeah. weekend, as you Graham saw. Graham Curtis, uh, Joe Dunleavy, Matty Dalton so were they, all playing. They, so I yeah. don't know if... You think Rickon's the same as the Cubs? So I right? think it is, yeah. yes. Um, Thanks for a good final, anyway. Whoever <laughs> gets through? Well, exactly. Yeah. And I think, and I haven't checked that it, it is in February, I think, mm. or it could be sometime this month, actually. It's a good point. Mm. They did move it. Um, yeah, just, just as before they, they shifted the this premiership as well, because this dragged on last year. Uh, They've okay. sorted that yeah. one out now by playing over Christmas. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the no, it's um, you know, Armagh will be very keen to, to win the cup again, um, and both Ballinhinch are always very keen on very very keen on, on collecting silverware. Um, like in the junior cup tonight, for instance, they really really want to win this junior yeah. cup mm-hmm. as well. They, they you know. Yeah. Um, but it will be. I mean, uh, you'd imagine it would probably well, actually. It's, you'd imagine Armagh will make it, and 
As for the other two, you, you wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's pretty much us for this week then. Michael, thank you very much for stepping Thanks in for such last minute whenever I forgot to actually ask you last week. <laughs> <laughs> just, just let you know yesterday. I know, it destroyed my Christmas. Time. It really <laughs> did. I was just couldn't believe it when you rang me. Well, thank you very much. It's much appreciated. So, from Michael and from Alan again. Cheers, guys. And myself, Gareth Hannah. Thanks for listening.